chapter one. Brand new book, brand new uh, theme this this morning as we pick up Galatians. You want to have a Bible? You want to have a Bible with you? Most probably ESV. You want to have a notepad or a or a or a more notebook, something like this maybe, something that's a little bit more solid, something that you could go back to in the years to come and uh, uh, and, and 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 revisit you know the work the words of god to you at a time when you most need to hear it uh pen that's what a pen looks like you need to have a pen highlighters if you need to have highlighters get into it my brothers and sisters get into the word uh committed to memory make sure that it sticks do what you have to do all right let's begin i want to go to my passage of scripture my galatians is here galatians chapter one Paul, an apostle, not from men, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father. Who is this? The one who raised him from the dead and all the brothers who are with me. All right. Who's writing? Paul. Paul is writing. Who is Paul? Paul is an apostle. What's an apostle? Someone who Jesus personally meets and commissions. Someone who Jesus personally meets and commissions, he sends out. He sent out the 12 apostles and Paul is the replacement for Judas. Paul is a replacement for, in fact, Judas was never an apostle, but uh, never really eventually became an apostle. But he's the replacement for the 12th and he completes the 12, even though he was, uh, he came in a little late. Paul, an apostle, not by men, not through man, but through Jesus Christ. And God the Father who raised Jesus from the dead. That's the authentication of Jesus Christ. And all the brothers who are with me. Who's the audience? Who's he writing to? He's writing to all the churches that are in Galatia. This is an encyclical letter. It was meant to go to all the churches and be read out in all the churches in in Galatia. It doesn't say all the synagogues. It says all the churches. That means all the gatherings of God's people in homes, porticos, verandas, Wherever God's people gathered for the Lord's table, that was the church. That was the representation of the church. And in Galatia, all the churches were to read this book. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Typical of Paul's greetings, but you want to be chewing on every word there. Key words in the relationship of a church member, in the relationship of church community is grace and peace. Grace and peace. The word in Hebrew for peace is shalom. Shalom. And that is the correct greeting. Praise is not the correct greeting. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. That's not a greeting. That's a mandate. Peace is a greeting because without God who raised Jesus from the dead and grants that peace, grace to you and peace from God, peace from God. If God the Father had, hadn't granted peace on earth and goodwill to men, if God hadn't granted it, we could not extend it to others. You see what I'm saying? We cannot extend it to others. So God grants me peace with him and I further that peace with you. And I say to you, Shalom, 
Shalom, brother. Shalom, sister. We are at peace because I am at peace with God. You can't be at peace with people if you're not at peace with God, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present age. So grace to you and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus is the one who gave himself to bring about the peace that God gives you. He gave himself for our sins to deliver us from this present evil age. He wanted us out of here. He wanted us saved. He wanted us secure according to the one to, to the will of God, the father. So God, the son, God, the father, God, the son worked in tandem to make this happen to whom be praise and glory forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished. Ay, 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 ay. Paul, come on, man. Just start off gently. Ask about my mother. You know, ask about the weather. Slip it in gently, brother. Kind of just build it up. No. As soon as he says, to whom be glory and forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished. So Paul gets straight to the point. I love it. Because when you only have five, six chapters, you want to stick to the point. I am astonished. What is, uh, is Paul about to say? What is he about to say? Because if he's going to start with saying this in verse 6, this is probably, come on, students of the scripture, this is probably going to be what Galatians is about. This is probably going to be what Galatians is about. And this is the key, the subject, the core, the heart of this book right here. So you want to pick that up. I am astonished. The apostle Paul who brought the gospel to the churches in Galatia, the Paul, who is the one who is the pastor, he's the one who, who, who say, uh, in, uh, he, he preached the gospel, they were saved, he taught them, he, he grounded them, he, he nurtured them, he discipled them, he put teachers among them, he left either Silas or Barnabas or, or, or one of the other guys to be with them to ensure that they are okay. And now he finds something that astonishes him. Paul, what's your problem? What are you astonished about? I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Called you to the grace of Christ and turning to the... What is he astonished about? He's astonished about the quickness. He's astonished about the quickness, the short time within which you fall away. The short time in which you fall away. He's not talking to you and me. He's talking to the Galatian believers. But if we have in common this with the with the with the Jewish with the Galatian believers, then perhaps he's talking to us as well. He says, I am astonished that you so quickly are deserting him, that is Jesus, who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Now, how are the Galatians deserting Jesus? They are turning to a different gospel. Mm. Can there be two gospels? Can there be three gospels? Not that there is another one. Oh, okay. So there's not another gospel. So then what is the problem? If there is no other gospel, then what exact gospel could they be turning to? Verse 7. Not that there is another gospel, but there are some who trouble you slash and want to distort the gospel of Christ. There are two problems. There are two threats, two situations. Number one, there are those among you who want to trouble you. They want to give you a hard time because the peace of God does not rule their hearts. And number two, they want to distort the gospel of Christ. So it is not a different gospel, but it's different because it has been tweaked. It is different because it has been modified. It is different because it, it has been, it has been uh, changed slightly. 
It is not changed completely. It is the gospel, the good news, the work, the message, the proclamation of God, but it has been tweaked. Why on earth would you tweak the gospel? Why would you need to tweak the gospel? Has the gospel been tweaked? Have you or anyone you know been a product of a false gospel? Is the false gospel around here? Are there people promoting a false gospel? Those and more are the questions you got to ask yourself. Verse 8. But, but, don't miss this. Even if we are an angel from heaven, even if we are an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. Ouch. This is the New Testament. This is the New Testament. Paul is talking in New Testament times. This is not Old Testament blessings and cursings. This is the New Testament. And he makes a powerful, impacting bullet statement here in verse 8. You do not want to miss this. Beginning with the word but. Even if an angel or we, whether it's us changing the gospel, five years into our ministry, ten years into our ministry. Oh, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, you know how what we taught you back there in 2002, 2003, 2005? Well, we've had a change of mind. We've had a change of heart. You know, it's not really that. You know, when we said God's grace you know, is, is applicable only to, to those, to the saved, you know, it's actually God's grace is applicable to everybody. Oh, you know what? Uh, uh, God, God accepts everyone as, as they are, you know, actually when you take a deep look at the love of God, now that we think about it, as we turn back in the, on the years of our experience and study of the word, we have also come to, uh, come to, uh, you know, it has been revealed to us. This is a new revelation. This is a new season that God is, and God is revealing to us that all will be saved or that he loves everyone or that there's more than one way to Jesus etc 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 even if we even if we modify this gospel don't listen to us and then he says even if an angel from heaven should come to preach to you now you haven't seen an angel in a in a while never I imagine neither have I have I but you're talking to people who are about uh, uh, who are about 50 years, 40, 50 years away from the time the angel appeared to Mary, the angel appeared to Zacharias, angel appeared to other people, angel appeared to the, uh, to the angels appeared to the, uh, to the, uh, to the shepherds. You get what I'm saying here? It, it was not so uncommon. It was not so uncommon for angels to appear. 2000 years later, today, there is almost never an appearance of angels uh, for messengers as messengers for them for the sake of giving a message or a new revelation or anything of the sort the word of god is complete the word of god is sealed it is closed if anyone adds one word to this if anyone comes in with a new revelation or a new season or a new uh, interpretation let him be accursed let him be accursed it is better for a millstone to be high, tied around his neck and be drowned to the bottom of the sea that is the word of god in the new testament this is not a joke this is not to be messed with. The gospel is the saving oracle of God. It is the message by which you will either go to hell or to heaven. It is the message I give you, the truth I give you, by which your eternity is decided. If I give you an authentic gospel, you will be an authentic believer. If I give you a fake gospel, you will be a fake believer. You will look and sound like an authentic believer, but you will be a fake believer. 
If I don't preach regeneration, you will be a believer who hasn't experienced regeneration. If I don't preach born again, you will be a believer. You will be a member of a church. You will be serving in a church, but never truly born again. The moment when the Holy Spirit brings you and your spirit back to life, like the way he brought Jesus back to life with the power and dunamis power that he brought Jesus back to life is the born again experience of a believer. There is no turning back. There is no doubt. There is no there's no confusion, no ambiguity about the fact that you are saved or not saved. Your spirit is alive. Your connection with God is full on. You are living in the presence of God. You are sensitive to sin. You know God personally. You are alive and sensitive to the spirit realm. You are living now in the spirit, able to pray in the spirit and you, you have life. It is the difference between death and life. If I preach to you a fake doctrine, if I, if I preach to you a fake gospel, you will be a fake believer. This is serious. Paul says, I'm astonished that you're so quickly ready to desert him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. A different gospel will result in different believers, a different church, a different way of spiritual living. You are witness to this, my dear brothers and sisters. We are living in a day and age where there are false teachers and there are false gospels. Now, why on earth would you change the gospel? Simple, simple. For the carnal to feel like they are saved. For the carnal to tell others that they are saved. For the fleshly, the wicked, the carnal, the unspiritual, the truly unsaved to have a sense and feeling a sensation that they are saved, sensation that they are in the presence of God, a sensation that they are connected with God, a sensation that they are experiencing the life of God. This is the biggest deception on the face of the earth. It is a bigger problem than Corona or even the third wave. It is a bigger problem than all the diseases put together in the world. It is a bigger problem than the banking deception or the or crime mafia. This is the biggest problem. False churches telling genuine unbelievers that they can become genuine believers when they are not. It is a real problem. You may not think it's a problem because it's not relevant to your life. Your life needs to become relevant to the gospel and not the other way around. But even if we or an angel from heaven should show up as authenticating as that might be, as, as, as convincing as that might be, tell the angel to go back to heaven and say, uh-uh. We already heard the gospel once true, always true. If they should preach a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. Okay, verse 9. And as we have said before, so now we say again. When Paul repeats something, you might want to highlight and underline that. If anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you have received, let him be accursed. He's repeating it twice. Brothers and sisters, when something gets repeated twice and you get accursed, accursed twice in the same sentence in the New Testament, you might want to take that seriously. You might want to take that seriously because basically what you are saying, what Paul is saying is there are some TV evangelists that you think are amazing, but are cursed by God. There are some authors which you swear by and that you are reading their material because you feel so encouraged and you feel so lifted up, but they are cursed by God. Why? Because they have tweaked the gospel. They have changed the gospel to sound good to the ears of unbelievers. 
to sound good, to be, uh, to be accommodating of a life that is fleshly, wicked, uh, ungodly, ungodly, unholy. From there on, I need to move you into the study of what Paul is saying here. From there on, he moves to verse 10. And this is connected because he says in verse 1, Paul, an apostle. Paul, an apostle. Let me warn all of you, you could find this message boring because it, it, doesn't, uh, it is not relevant to your life, your immediate life, your immediate needs, your immediate sentiments. But I say to you in the name of Jesus, your life needs to be made relevant to the gospel and not the other way around. So he says in verse 1, he says, Paul, an apostle, not through men, not from men, not through men, not from men, but through Jesus Christ, from Jesus Christ. He makes that. Now, do you remember when Paul became an apostle? When did Jesus meet Paul personally? It was on the road to Damascus. Where was he going? He was going to Damascus. And Jesus called him and said, Paul, Paul, well, he called him Saul. He said, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It took him 30 seconds to take a man rooted and grounded in a, in a different religion, and in a different theology, in a different framework of mind, a persuasion, a school of thought. It took him 30 seconds to convert that guy. It took him 30 seconds to, and that is the evangelism I believe in, my brothers and sisters. Dear brothers and sisters, this is the evangelism I believe in. To change a person from unbeliever to believer, from unsanctified to sanctified, from lost to found, from darkness to light, it takes God 30 seconds. It will take God 30 seconds. Number one, God chooses for you to be saved. Number two, God gives you the gift of faith. Number three, a believer in obedience to God grants you the gospel or gives you the gospel. In this case, Jesus met him personally because he was an apostle. And then you respond to that in faith. And in response to your faith, you are saved. Simple. That's it. No convincing. No apologetics. No, come on, come to Jesus. We love you. Come, don't worry. Stick around. Stay on there. Keep, uh, keep praying. Keep trust. You don't have to do anything. Life once there's life, that's there's life. You don't have to encourage life. Either you're dead or you're alive. You don't have to encourage dead people to be alive. And you don't have to encourage alive people to stay alive. Does that make sense? So he says, Paul an apostle. Paul an apostle. Now drop with me to verse 10. From now on, Paul is going to make this elongated self-authentication of himself as an apostle. Why? Why? Because he's saying, I am an apostle, I'm the genuine thing, and I gave you the genuine gospel, now don't change it. Don't change it. Why? Because false apostles will come, calling themselves apostles because they are from men and through men. False apostles will come. And with false apostles will come a false doctrine, a false gospel. These false apostles will be very convincing. But even if an angel came and spoke to you don't now let me tell you why i paul am authentic and let me tell you why you should not move away from what you have believed verse 10 for am i now seeking the approval of men or of god am i now seeking the approval of men or of god he's saying basically that when i started out and i was called to be an apostle i was approved by god 
I was approved by God and I continued to seek the approval of God. When I change over and turn to seek the approval of man, I become a false prophet. So even I, starting out original, starting out genuine, can become false. If I seek the approval of man. From looking to the throne of God and seeking the approval of the throne of God to sit looking at the seats in the audience and seeking the approval of the people in the seats in the audience. The more seats, the more approval. You get what I'm saying? Or am I now trying to please man? If I were trying to still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Verse 9 and verse 8 talk about him being accursed. Over here, he cancels out the very fact that you are a servant of Christ, which means anyone who preaches a different gospel is not a servant of Christ. You have to ask then, who are they a servant of? Now moving very quickly into a narrative, try and stay with me. For I, I told you it might be boring because it's not attached to your life. But if you take an interest, God will tell, show you how this is meaningful to your life. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not a man's gospel. So it is a gospel not preached through me. Like I, I, I didn't come up with it. I did not receive it from any man, verse 12, nor was I taught it. But I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. No, he doesn't say I received it through a revelation from Jesus Christ. Jesus told me this. <laughs> Jesus has said one thing. Saul, who are you persecuting? You're persecuting me. Stop it. Done. Next, next words coming out of Saul's mouth was, I, Paul, am a servant of the Lord Jesus. What would you have me to do? Gah! 30 seconds to turn a man around. 30 seconds to turn a man around. We wait for years and pray for years for people to be saved, for people to come back to God. But it takes God 30 seconds. So it's not because they don't want to. It's because God doesn't want to. God sees a heart that's not right and not willing to be right. And God move, doesn't, doesn't move. All moves accordingly. Verse 13. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism. Paul is talking here. For how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond my own age. I was a hero. I was this young. Uh, I was this, you know, incredible hero of the faith. I was taking things into my own hands. I had the backing of the Pharisees. I had the backing of the Sanhedrin. I had the backing of the, of the, of the, of the, Romans beyond many of my own age among my people so extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers verse 14 verse 15 but when he changed me when he had set me apart when he had set me apart before I was born before I was born he had already called me by my by my name called me by his grace when he was pleased to reveal his son to me but I received it from a revelation, not from Jesus, but of Jesus. The revelation of Jesus Christ is the gospel. It is not a message. It is the person of Christ. You present the person of Christ, the light of life, that light of life. When he was pleased to reveal his son to me, capital S, when he was revealed to his son to me in order that I may preach him, Jesus, preach him. He's the message. He's the gospel. When I was to preach him among the Gentiles. Okay, Paul, so what you're saying is Peter and the others, they were meant to be uh, apostles to the, to, the, to the Jewish faith, to the circumcised. And you, God had called you outside to be an apostle to the Gentiles, all the other nations. Got it. I got it. Okay, so 
in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult anybody. I didn't go get influenced by anybody. I didn't even go to Bible college to be told what is right, what is wrong. I didn't go to anybody else to say, you know, am I right? Am I on the right way? I was not influenced. Nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went straight to Arabia and returned again to Damascus, the place he was on his way to when God caught his attention. Ah, hallelujah. Verse 18. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem after three years. So when God, when he received this revelation, he just let it cook. He let it cook. It let, he let it change his own mind. He let it change his own heart. He let it change his life. He re-scripted his life. He re-scripted his passions. He re-scripted his, those first two, three years of discipleship are so important. So important. After three years, he then went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas, that's Peter, and remained with him for two weeks. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the, brother, the, the Lord's brother, because Peter, James and John always hung around together. In what I'm writing to you, I'm not telling you any lies. Verse 21, then I went to the regions of Syria, Sicilia, real places, real time. And I was still unknown in the person, in person to the church. See, I, I, I still didn't have a big ministry. People still didn't know me. My posters were not up on the walls. They still, all they knew about me, verse 23, was that he who used to persecute us is now preaching a faith he once tried to destroy. Who's Paul? He who used to persecute us is now preaching a faith he once tried to destroy. I hope you're following with me in the text. And they glorified God because of me. That's all, man. There's this guy. He came out of nowhere. God caught his attention. He once persecuted us. Now he's preaching the gospel. Galatians chapter 2. Jump with me. Then, after 14 years, okay, so he receives the gospel, which is the Lord Jesus. He meets Christ. He's on his own for three years. Then he goes, he meets Paul, uh, sorry, uh, Peter. He spends two weeks with Peter. Then 14 years later, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas. By now he's starting to get disciples and make disciples. Taking Titus along with me. Big, big names, Barnabas and Titus. Okay, I went up because of a revelation and said before them, though privately before those who seemed influential, the gospel that I proclaimed among the Gentiles. So now what is Paul doing? He's saying, uh, I've been preaching this gospel. Is it the same gospel you guys are preaching? Is it the same? Are we on the same page here? Okay. Why? Because I have gone to the Gentiles while you have gone to the Jews. And no matter what, Jews and Gentiles may be different, but the gospel is the same. It is the same Jesus you have to come to terms with. It's the same Jesus you need to bow your knee to. It's the same Jesus you have to surrender your life to. Jew or Gentile, it doesn't matter. So are we on the same page? For that, not for the change of the message, but for the uh, reaffirmation of the strategy, he visited Jerusalem, visited Cephas and the others. That's why he went. I went up because of a revelation. Go check this out. Verse 3. Verse 3, verse 3, but even Titus who was with me was not forced to be circumcised, though he was a Greek. What is that all about? Well, because it's about the gospel, because it's about uh, just Jesus, you don't need to become a Jew. You don't need to be circumcised. So he wanted to come and flatten out that whole issue about why these people are returning or might be trying to still be Jewish and be Christian and want to be called Jewish Christians. Instead of just being called Christians, they want to be called Jewish Christians or North Indian Christians or South Indian Christians or this Christian or that Christian. Paul says that's nonsense. But even Titus, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised, though he was a Greek. Yet because of false brothers, underline, underline, because of false brothers secretly brought in. Who do, who do you think would have brought in those guys? 
yet because of false brothers secretly brought in. So you have false teachers outside and you have false brothers inside. You have false teachers outside and you have false brothers inside. Secretly brought in who slipped in. Please underline these things. Two things over here. Who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus. No, you don't need to be circumcised. No, you don't need to become a Jew first to become a believer. No, you don't need to uh, fall into the whole traditional issue. You need to follow Christ. You need to surrender to Christ and you need to live out the life of Christ. It's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. Yet because of false brothers who spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus so that they may bring us back into slavery. That is tradition and religiosity and a holiness that comes from ceremony and from ritual. I repeat, a holiness that comes from ceremony and ritual. External, not internal. Carnal, not spiritual. To them, we did not yield in submission even for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. So that the truth of the gospel might be preserved to you. Oh, brothers, I wish you could get this. Sisters, I wish you could get the depth, the depth of this. Oh, I know you're going through so much in your life. I know that you've got so many burdens and sickness and, 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 and worries. I know that life is difficult, but I wish you could just step out of your life, step out of all that you know as life and enter into this because this is where the real action is. This is where God is at work. The gospel, bringing people to Christ, preparing people for eternity. This is where the real thing is. To them, we did not yield even for a moment. Verse 6. I'm going to end in verse 10. So, so be happy. Verse 6. And, tho and, those, and from those who seem to be influential. I don't really care about who's influential or not. Verse 7. On the contrary, when they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised. That's, a, that's the Gentiles. Just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel to the, Gentile, uh, to the Jews. That's the circumcised. Verse 9, and when James and Cephas and John, Peter, James and John, who seemed to be pillars in the church, they perceived the grace that was given me. They acknowledged that I was an apostle. They acknowledged and ratified the original apostles, ratified Paul, the later apostle, the 2.0 apostle, uh, ratified the grace of God was upon me. They gave me the right hand. They gave me the right hand of fellowship and they said, you go, brother, you are on the same page with us. Go to the Gentiles, bring people to Christ. They gave me the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. Only they said, don't forget the poor because that's a major part of what the church must do. Don't forget the poor because that's the hands and feet of Jesus. Don't forget the poor because Jesus can't walk past a poor or a blind or a lame person and not do something about it. How can you be the church and forget the poor? Got it. And Paul was like, that's exactly what I was eager to do. Brothers and sisters, come back to me. Man, that was in fifth gear, I know. And that was a lot, I know. But here's the bottom line as I close. A false apostle will preach a false gospel. A false gospel will result in false believers. A false believers will make up a false church. A false church will spread and grow bigger and have the blessing of Satan so that they look like the real thing. Many are called, but few are chosen. Narrow is the way that leads to life. Broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many are there who find it. 
few are there who walk the narrow way. Salvation is an eternal work of God that is done in a moment in the life of the spirit of a person, man or woman. In the moment that their heart responds in faith to the light of the gospel. As they hear the gospel, as they hear the message of Christ, they receive it as from God. They acknowledge that Jesus is God in the flesh. They acknowledge that his flesh was the lamb on the, on, on the altar, that it was the sacrifice for my sin. That is his blood that washes me clean. That it is his spirit that comes into me to make him his. And the life he now gives me is the life I need to live for eternity. So not only am I saved from hell, but I'm saved to serve. I'm saved for eternity. I am not saved to continue to live my own life on earth and go, go around agreeing with every Tom, Dick and Harry walking the face of the earth. I'm called to be exclusively different and set apart, sanctified, so that the light of the glory of Christ may shine in this dark world. I am called for that. My brothers and sisters, many of the teachers you are listening to on TV are false and therefore accursed. Do you know what you're listening to? Some of the books you read and are so inspired by are a false gospel. Are you ready to put your life and ministry on the line by listening to those who are accursed and those who are not servants of Christ? Do you know the gospel? If you don't know the genuine gospel, you then haven't believed the genuine gospel, then you are not truly saved, in which case the spirit of God doesn't dwell in you. That is a serious eternal matter. That is a serious eternal matter. Now, salvation is not something you bring about. Regeneration is not something you... Everything is done by God. Everything is done by God in response to the original gospel, to the genuine gospel. Nothing is of God when the gospel is false. Oh, I wish you could get that. When it's genuine, it's all genuine. And everything is false about a false gospel. You've got... To understand this. I'll be starting an intermittent series. Between Galatians. And I'll be answering questions like. What is the gospel? What is regeneration? What does it mean to be indwelt by the Holy Spirit? What does it mean to live in the power of the Holy Spirit? What does it mean. To, uh, uh, to, uh, to, uh, to be in the body of Christ. I'm going to answer some very. Fundamental questions. And you have to be willing to be radical in your faith. You, have to, you don't have to be radical in a fanatical sense. You need to be radical in a, in a holy sense, in a sanctified sense. To not entertain nonsense, not entertain. So how does Satan tweak the gospel? He makes it comfortable for the unbeliever. He makes it comfortable for the carnal to come in and have a pseudo experience of worship, a pseudo experience of the presence of God, a pseudo experience of being saved. Imagine a person thinking he's saved for 20 years when he's not really saved. That kind of deception is pure demonic. 
You have to believe with me that there is a kingdom of darkness and there is a kingdom of light and both are actively at work. Fight, my brothers and sisters, for those who are in the kingdom of darkness, that they may be saved and brought into the kingdom of light. This is not a persuasion into a new religion. This is not a persuasion to believe what I believe because what I believe is right because I believe it. Uh-uh. If it wasn't for the grace of God in his revelation of the Son of God to me, I would have still been, been unregenerate and I would not know God personally. And if none of what I'm saying is appealing to you, none of what I'm saying is making sense to you, then my dear brother and sister, please acknowledge Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Receive him into your heart today. Acknowledge that you are a sinner and without the love of God and without the blood of Jesus Christ, you cannot be saved. Have him wash your sin completely and come wholeheartedly with everything that you have, with all your brokenness and come fall at the cross and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, that he is the son of God, that his work is full and final, that there is no other name under which under the uh, the sun by which you can be saved that he is God in the flesh and that he is the one through whom you have access to the father that is the gospel think think pray think I challenge you in the name of Jesus and if you are ready right now you've been a Christian You've been a follower, you've been a churchgoer, you've been a member of a church for the, as long as you remember. But you've never kneeled, never recognized Jesus Christ as your Lord. You've never committed your life to Christ. You've never surrendered to the Lordship of Christ and say, Lord, forgive me, wash my sin, come into my life and take over. I am a mess and I don't deserve to be Lord of my life. I never was. I give my life to you. If you've never done that, here's a simple prayer. You can pray with me to do that. Father in heaven, I recognize today that the gospel was for me. Father in heaven, I recognize today that I am a sinner and that my sin separated me from you. And it is not that a loving God can't send good people to hell. It is that a holy God cannot allow sinful people into heaven and I'm a sinful man I'm a sinful woman and I know I have no right to be in your presence and I can never know you unless my sin is taken care of so I thank you that the gospel tells me that Jesus came Jesus died Jesus shed his blood and sprinkled that blood on the mercy seat in the heavenly temple in the mercy seat in heaven itself not the one in Jerusalem but the one in heaven and in that moment, the veil of the temple was torn from top to bottom and the voice said, come back, son. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No man comes to the father but by me. So Jesus, I open you as a door and I come right through you and I come running to the father and I fall at his feet and I sit in his lap and I re-embrace and I come home like the prodigal son. I come home. It is my sin that kept me far from you, but it is my faith that draws me near to you. I come by faith. Simply, wholly, completely, I come. Just as I am, I come. And I thank you that by faith, 
you will acknowledge me as saved and that my faith gives me the righteousness of Christ that as I put on my clothes this morning I put on the righteousness of Christ I am given the garment of God's of, of Christ's holiness the garment of Christ's holiness is put on top of me and I am now clothed with the righteousness of God like Adam and Eve once were clothed with the righteousness of of Christ once upon a time and in the moment of their sin that garb was taken away from them and they were naked and they felt ashamed once again by the righteous act of Christ on the cross the righteousness of Christ is given to me and my sin is taken and put on the cross oh God what a holy swap what a holy salvation you have granted me I thank you and now I walk into heaven wearing Christ's cloak of righteousness I look like Christ I smell like Christ and I'm accepted into the presence of God as if I was Jesus so great a sacrifice so great a gospel so great a deliverance how can I be anything but grateful oh God how can I live my life for myself, for my body, for my looks, for my pleasures? How can I not serve you with every fiber of my being? Just as I am, Christ, I come. I come. That's the simplest prayer a sinner will ever pray. And if you prayed that prayer today, you walked into the presence of God. Today you have been saved. You have, your name has been written in the Lamb's book of life. And the Spirit of God has entered you and given you life. And you will never be the same again. And you can testify about it next week. Because there will be evidence in your own life. In your own heart that you are genuine. 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 Lord Jesus makes CL a community of believers who are genuine. Starting with me. If your gospel is genuine we will be genuine this is my humble prayer to you O god because of the amount of fakes around and fake gospels around we cannot risk this in jesus name i pray amen hi i'm jeremy dawson and if you liked what you just saw if it was a blessing then hit the subscribe button come on you could do it hit the subscribe button uh, hit the bell so that we know you want to hear from us Lots of videos coming your way, songs, worship, encouragement. Come on, subscribe. Let's take this forward and share with somebody you might know. Write a comment in the section below. But let's see you guys again. Come on, subscribe.